You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Hey, Dan. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Um, thanks for asking. Hey, Dan, I was wondering, and this question is very much in the spirit of our discussion today with Quinn Rollins. Uh, what was your favorite game growing up? You know, I'm probably a little overly competitive. And so I really liked Risk yeah. as a kid. Yeah, I mean, it's a game of global domination, which is someone who's very much in favor of democracy. It seems and, to go the other way. Yeah, it's very colonial, very um, totalitarian in many senses. War at all costs. So... Luckily, I just like it as a board game, not a real... <laughs> it's not like your lifestyle. You're not you yeah. know, actively seeking to colonize and take over. Very much not so. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? For me, I played so much Monopoly. Um, yeah, just so much Monopoly growing up. I don't know why. I kind of like going around in a circle. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a square, really. But That's a good point. Yeah, but I felt like it was a circle. It was my ring, you know? I know that, you know, boxers have theirs. The Monopoly board was mine. So, <laughs> with that, we actually have a great guest today, uh, who I'm super excited about. It's Quinn Rollins. Uh, and Quinn Rollins wrote this book called Play Like a Pirate, Engage Students with Toys, Games, and Comics. Hey, Quinn. Hey, guys. I always know you as at Jedi Kermit on Twitter. Yeah, it's it's very uh, that's that's me. I, I had to give somebody my email address the other day, and it has Jedi Kermit in it. And I've had that same one since like 1995 when I first joined Internet Land. And uh, sometimes I think I should class it up a little, but screw it, it's Jedi Kermit. So yeah, are you still on that same Hotmail email? Or, or did oh you... yeah, Je- Jedi Kermit is your uh, instant messenger name on AOL still. <laughs> yeah yeah aol and they still send me free cds i love it i think it's i think it's actually a great name for you quinn because it is playful and fun and it gets into kind of you know the f- fictional side of education a little bit so I, it's very appropriate tell us a bit about your background in education so for me um i'm one of those people who always wanted to be a teacher so I remember even before I had gone to school, I, uh, I was setting up my stuffed animals and stuff and giving them assignments and just like the teddy bear and the stuffed duck and the mouse and the mouse was always like needed extra help. Sometimes I'd catch the mouse cheating and he'd have to go in the corner anyway. So I, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a teacher, but then as you grow up and especially I think for for men, you're like, well, it doesn't make as much money as investment banking or some of these other careers. So I put it on the back burner, went to college and uh, started out as a psych major and then uh, 
like pre-business and communications and eventually decided, you know, I want to do what would make me happy, not what would make me rich. So I became a history teacher and I became rich because history <laughs> teachers are just rolling in the Tubmans. And so it's, uh, it's great. The, um, well, you, yeah. you know, Quinn, yeah. the root of wealth is just well. It's wellness. It's not financial money, right? This is the type of things we have to say as teachers because we're underpaid. I, I tell myself every day. Um, on, on the way to, to getting into the classroom, I also I was a cartoonist uh, for many years. And then I was a toy designer and a toy consultant for a company that made uh, made action figures for the Muppets and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the X-Files. And uh, and so I sort of got immersed in that world beyond just be, being a fan. I got to see sort of what what goes into making the toys and all of that sort of informed my teaching eventually. Wait, wait. So you just said this influenced your teaching. How? Well, <clears throat> so my my first uh, teaching job, I got hired to teach uh, Utah studies, Utah history. And it was a class that when I got hired to teach it, I didn't even remember having taken the class myself. And uh, it was only after I saw the horrible textbook that I'm like, oh, that's what that class was. <laughs> um, so, so I knew that how I was being taught or how I had been taught in most of my history classes wasn't working. Uh, if it didn't work for me uh, 20 years ago, it's not going to work for kids today. And so I was looking for other ways to to engage students. And I am a believer that if you if you bring some of yourself into the room, if you if you share some of what you're interested in, they're going to get on board with it. So for a lot of teachers, that's music. For some teachers, it's art. Uh, for me, it's it's toys and cartoons. And so I would I would bring stuff in and say, okay if we had this character and put them in this historic situation, how would they react? And, uh, and that, that sort of spun off into some other things, but I, yeah. So my, my book is about using toys and games and comics to, uh, to engage students and make your class a little more fun. Doesn't need to be fun all the time, but it, it can certainly be more fun than mine was when I was in seventh grade and wanted to not be in seventh grade anymore. You know, it seems like we really, Michael, need to have a uh, podcast to talk about the state of state histories, because this is now, we're only a few episodes in, and we have had two people who talked about entering into teach state histories, and just kind of the, the nobody wants to teach it, there's a lack of resources, and so we had Kim Pennington on episode three, and she said a little bit of the same thing, but she was really excited to teach Oklahoma history, too. Um, which I've always found the state histories, local history to be fascinating and very relevant. But um, Quinn, so can you tell us, you, you've told us a little bit about your ideas in general. What what big idea are you going to focus on today? Well, I, I think the idea of using superheroes to teach, uh, well, to teach. I, I Most of my examples are about teaching history, but it doesn't have to be history. I think you can use superheroes as a... Uh, as sort of shortcut to help kids understand just about anything. So can you give the, it, uh, give us some examples and, and ideas and things that, that give us a little bit of maybe even a preview of some of the ideas you have in the book. 
Sure. So I, I think that right now, uh, because of pop culture, because of the movies, the TV shows that kids are watching, they're immersed in this world of superheroes. And even though as adults, we might be getting tired of the same, you know, popcorn movies that are in the theaters uh, nonstop, kids are, are very into it. And so really it's, it sort of becomes a shorthand that these kids can understand a kind of literacy that they can, that we can tap into as a teacher. So one of my, uh, one of my best lessons I, I would give in the first few weeks of, of school, and it's using superheroes as, as symbols. And part of that is using existing superheroes we would, uh, we're, we're looking at seven, seven core democratic principles. So things like justice, truth, the common good, patriotism, diversity, things that, that were, are going to come up in a social studies class in pretty much every unit. I want them to know that vocabulary. I want them to know that abstract concept of the common good. And so we would look at the character of Spider-Man and how, uh, how Peter Parker doesn't do what's best for Peter Parker. He does what's best for New York City. So that's the common good. And that's what makes him a hero. Um, so, so things like that. If I were in a science class, I might take the steps of the scientific method. If I were in a language arts class, it might be the writing process or, or literary analysis. But take these abstract concepts that you're going to be using again and again with, uh, with students and apply superheroes to it. And then even have students create their own superheroes that represent those things. So the, the social studies, the key, some of the core ideas of social studies, like whether it's justice or truth or things like that, those would be the things you'd focus, use superheroes as a way into those themes. Um, which is, seems pretty cool because you're making your courses somewhat thematic, which I think is very powerful. And oftentimes our, our courses seem to be just this long trudge through the chronological history without any meaning or connection. And students do have trouble, I think, connecting thematic issues, which is really what we need to think as citizens. Am I getting that right? As, and then so if it was a different subject, you would, you, would, you would use, for example, you have the scientific method and you would show how superheroes – investigate things in that way yeah so exactly right if uh, for social studies it, it would be thematic and you could also look at how the idea of justice changes over time so justice in the 1600s um, in new england is going to be different from justice in the 1800s would be different than justice today and you can also look at superheroes over time um, the concept of justice in the 1930s is very different from justice today. One of the things that I liked in your book is you talked about Captain America and you talked about how like you have like the 1940s Captain America. Uh, and then you talked about bringing Captain America into like the War of 1812 and even looking at the uniform and how that would change. Um, I thought that was really just a, a really terrific idea about how you can actually just supplant these people at different times uh, and to see how they would like um, you know, reflect that type of reality, uh, which is a really interesting, you know, theoretical thing to have students do. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of taking a character that's as well known as Captain America, as Superman, Wonder Woman, 
and then changing something about them. So if, if they were in a different time period, if they were in a different country, if it wasn't Captain America, if he was Captain France, for Pete's sake, that would be horrible. Never mind. Captain, uh, <laughs> Captain Australia. We're so, we yeah. give the French such a hard time, and they saved our butts in the Revolutionary War. Did you read the, um, if Superman came 12 hours later, what would have happened? He would have landed in... Uh, the USSR, and he would have became a kulak, and like he would have been Russian. It was a tremendous, tremendous graphic novel. What's what's this from? Oh, it's a graphic novel. It's yeah. called Red yeah. Red Sun, S O N Red Sun. It's 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 a good read. You know, it's it's interesting because I I guess I, this all kind of brings up the nature of what students should be learning, right? Um, I think there's a big push oftentimes that students should be little mini historians. And I'm not really sure that they need to be. Um, I think some of the skills that historians have are very useful for students, critical thinking, being able to place things and historicize, you know, in the correct context and all of those things are useful. But I, I think the, the difference between just history classes and what makes it in the broader social studies arena is that citizenship is that focus. And you can get at citizenship through superhero stories, through science fiction, through lots of different ways. And I wonder if we limit ourselves by trying to make our history classes too discipline-based. I don't know. Well, and I, th I think that's not unique to, to history classes. I think the push to make mini-historians is partially – is sort of our version of, of high-stakes standardized testing, where in mm -hmm. a lot of states, math, science, and language arts are, are the tested subjects, and social studies is sort of on the back burner – and uh, and so I think it's sort of this push to legitimize our own field, um, and, and that that might depend on where you're where you're at. But uh, no, I I agree, and I think that you if you use these other avenues that students are engaged in, um, I, I think you're going to connect to more kids than if you're just sticking to the textbook and and the the standard way that maybe you were taught. Yeah, and, and having said that, I mean, you can also investigate this stuff historically, like you were saying, right? You, you can just do it as a historian, and we could look at the comics over time and connect them to themes of eras. And so we can do it from a historian's perspective and still have fun, um, you know. Do you have, do you have some other ideas in your book about how to do that? Yeah, so I, I think that there are a lot of ways to, to look at it. Um, I mean, you can contrast the role of, male and female superheroes, how that changes over time. Um, I, I think you can use Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero's Journey oh, and, yeah. uh, and, and, and take superheroes and plug them into that and see, you know, do they fit that classic image of a hero? You could compare them to mythology. You could uh, look at how real, real world events are reflected or are ignored in, in comic books. I mean, there, there are a lot of different approaches to it. We've talked kind of just about generally about how superheroes can fit into curriculums in general. But let's get a little bit more specific. How can, like, you know, uh, you know a classroom teacher bring this into their class? Well, I, I'm a big fan of having students uh, create their own superheroes. And uh, that can take a lot of different forms. Um, on, on my website, I have templates that I used with, that I use with my own students that, uh, that sort of give them the, the, the artistic feel, the, the look that they want for the superheroes. 
but then I also have them connected to to some piece of the curriculum. So, uh, so for for example, those seven core democratic principles. Um, I would start out the school year with that. So they would pick one of those principles, say uh, say truth, and they're going to create a superhero based on the the abstract concept of truth. Um, and the superpowers superpowers would be uh, reflecting truth somehow. Like they would be able to hypnotize somebody into always telling the truth. They, uh, you know, the, the equivalent of Wonder Woman's magic lasso that, that mm -hmm. forces people to tell the truth. And then you would take that character throughout the school year. So we're we're starting out in uh, in the age of exploration. What would that character be doing with? Uh, with that that historic situation and then uh, sort of move forward through time you could also then what would the sidekick to truth be you know who, who would be that support to truth that was always there what would the biggest villain to truth be and it might be politicians i don't know and uh <laughs> how they would uh how, how they would undermine the truth but but basically take that that abstract concept and plug it into as many real world situations as you can. Um, I've had students create their own comic books. Uh, I've had students sort of combine their characters with other characters to form a kind of Justice League or or X Men Avengers kind of team. Um, just to, taking what they've created and making it making that character that's now relevant to them relevant to my curriculum, basically. Yeah. I know for me, I was having a, I was trying to teach my freshmen like the branches of government and like, so how they all, you know, how they all work together. And so I, at one point I made a board game, uh, which I was told uh, was the single worst board game that they've ever played in their entire lives. It was really difficult to actually pass anything, but they didn't get it. Like they weren't really understanding how the, the different um, uh, branches of government, you know, were playing together. And then I was talking to uh, my workmate across the hall and i was like they just don't get the you know the branches of government she said you know the powers of government the powers of the branches and so i my mind ran, went right into super powers of, of the branches and so then we created like superheroes for the different branches of government um and so they had to like take source material from so they had to look at the constitution and figure out what the powers of the branches would be and then how they could personify that it was a really neat like way to like deal with this really great primary document um, and superheroes. And so it was a really fun, fun project. And they got it better than my board game. <laughs> my board game was terrible. You know, one of my, um, I, I love all this. I just think it's so creative. And um, I didn't do, I feel like I didn't delve into this area a lot. And maybe it's just because I wasn't as into comics and games and stuff growing up. Um, but one of the one lesson I did just kind of on a whim once was um, I had my students I was teaching in sociology about economic systems and I had my students play Monopoly and I just they're just like what are we doing today and I'm just like playing Monopoly have fun you know and they <laughs> they know there's some kind of trick there because that's I don't, that's not really how I roll um, but uh, I let them play for about 30 40 minutes and then I asked them to try to deduce like the principles of the game you know what's the game. And so they had to try to figure out the economic principles, which obviously a lot of capitalist principles are in Monopoly, although there's some problems there. And so it allowed for a discussion through the game. And then I had them make their own game that they saw as representing socialism, um, mm -hmm. which what, they made very different games. And that helps them to see that capitalism and socialism are not 
single things. They're kind of on a spectrum. And uh, it allowed them to see uh, economic systems in a lot more complex way. And it was fun. <laughs> it's it's funny how, how just the idea of fun, like playful assessment, playful um, assignments, it's it, it makes a difference. I mean, you, you can get to the same place um, in the curriculum having fun and make it more relevant to, to them, have them have more buy-in. I mean, everybody wants to win a game. You know, nobody wants to lose. But, but those same kids might not care if they get like a C minus or a B plus, but they want to win that game. Right, right. Um, I, I just think there's so much relevance for this. And in, in an era where we just constantly have it hammered over our heads that we've got to test more, we have to, you know, students have to understand, um, you know, these detailed parts of history that they're going to forget. We all know it. Every test ever has shown that it's going in their short-term memory and out the other year. And they can, of course, learn skills and things. But but having fun with it is what will create lifelong learners, right, which will keep them coming back, which will make them – you know, I hate when I hear someone who says, I'm not a history person. And I'm like, ah, we're all history people, you know. It, yeah. ki- it kills us history people. But, of course, the way we do it in school sometimes, it's hard to see yourself as wanting to do those things. And the way that you kind of brought yourself in and your interests and stuff that a lot of kids can identify with, I can really see um, this livening a classroom up. Thanks. I, uh, I, it ended up being a, a great process for me to look at why I teach the way I teach and, and what I think is most important. And, and really, I mean, it sounds kind of, kind of silly that the idea of fun would be so important, but it, it is. It, it hooks more kids than my 90-minute PowerPoint about the Great Depression, which is fantastic. But making the <laughs> Depression fun is even better. Thanks, Quinn Rollins, for chatting with us today. Thank you. So, Quinn, where, where, where can we find you online? Um, and In particular, where can people get your book? So, uh, I am on Twitter, at Jedi Kermit, and... Uh, my website is quinrollins.com, and there are templates and examples of student work and reviews and links to recommended graphic novels, stuff like that, are all on the, the site. And it's available at uh, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and uh, it's bright yellow. You won't lose it. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome. You will love it. <laughs> Um, I, I know we we will. I'm looking forward to reading it, I know. So just thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we hope to continue the discussion online. Everybody follow uh, at Jedi Kermit on Twitter. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Visions of Education on iTunes and Stitcher. If you write us a five-star review, then we will read it on the air. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Krutka. And I'm at 42 Think Deep. And until next time, this is the Visions of Education podcast signing off.